Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. So overall, we are in the sixth week, the sixth miracle in the book of John. And of what is recorded, we believe this to be Jesus' 33rd miracle to date. We don't know for sure, but in tracking everything that he's done up to this point, this is what we believe. Now, I want to take a little step back because I want to look at resurrections as they occur in the Bible. And surprisingly, they are not uncommon. Now, it's not every other day you see somebody pop out of bed or out of their coffin, but it's more than what we see probably today. So the first one that we see in Scripture is taken in 1 Kings. We're going to find our buddy Elijah. And this is the resurrection of the widow's son in Zarephath. Did I say that correctly? Hey, thank you. (laughs) So Elijah has found himself staying with a widow and her son. And sometime later, the son became ill and he died. Now, even as the widow was helping Elijah, this came to take place, which allows us to know that even when we're working within the will of God, adversity comes. (laughs) None of us are able to flee from it. However, in this situation, Elijah cries out to the Lord, and the Lord restored the boy's life. The second one we see in the Old Testament is taken from 2 Kings. This is the resurrection of the Shumanites' son. Did I say that right? Okay. And this is such a cool story to me. A woman was able to show hospitality toward Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, and her son became sick. Isn't that interesting? And this boy died, and Elijah ends up having to come back to her place to revive the boy. Now, it's a very interesting way that this happens because Elijah ends up face-to-face with this dead boy. It says eye-to-eye, face-to-face, mouth-to-mouth. And he becomes a little warm after that. He takes, he takes the room, Elisha. He walks back and forth pacing. And again, face-to-face, eye-to-eye. And the boy is revived. How crazy is that? Can you imagine that boy opening his eyes? Awkward. But imagine having life because of it. Now, this one's cool. This is the resurrection of a man thrown into Elisha's grave. And I marked it off because I just had to read it because it's 
the craziest thing I've ever heard besides a person resurrecting. 2 Kings 13, verse 20. It says, Elisha died and was buried. Now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. (laughs) That talks truly about what testimony and what, what can be after somebody has passed away. Imagine just touching somebody's bones and life coming back. That blows my mind, which makes you wonder about Elijah, who was before Elisha. He was caught up in a whirlwind. He didn't die. Imagine what would have happened if he had stayed and you touched his bones. God was like, no, not today. I don't know what would happen. And then Jesus, obviously, there was a resurrection there, right? What could have happened? I like it better this way, though. Then we move to the New Testament, and as we're following Jesus, we see the resurrection of Jairus' daughter. Then we move into Luke, and we see the resurrection of of the young man at Nain. And here we are now at at the resurrection of Lazarus. This is where we are today. And this is a story we're revisiting because it's something I've heard my husband preach on quite a few times. And it's something that intrigues me. And I'll take a stab in the dark to say that I think it might be something that interests you as well. Besides the fact that the entirety of our faith and hope hinges not just on just any resurrection, but the resurrection of the Son of God himself the whole purpose and reason for us to meet in this well-heated or well-cooled room. Early spring is very confusing to me. (laughs) I don't know whether it's supposed to be heat or cold. But the very crux of our spiritual lives is firmly established in the death and resurrection of Jesus. It changed everything. And I know I'm about two weeks ahead, and I don't think Paul would be very happy for me to spoil the surprise. And in the words of a young girl that I taught a couple years ago in Sunday school, she told me, Jesus be raised. (laughs) And truer words have never been spoken. And I'd rather be two weeks early than two weeks too late to say it. Prior to his resurrection from the dead, Jesus brings several other people back to life, what we just talked about. Only one of those deaths made Jesus cry. And it is that story and sign that we are focusing on this week in our series, In the Signs of Jesus. So far, we've looked at a variety of different signs. These signs were actions Jesus took that demonstrated God working through him for our salvation. He turned water into wine at a wedding, healed an official's son from the great distance, made a lame person walk, 
healed a blind man's sight, and fed thousands of people from very little food. And now the sign is raising of the dead. At the start of chapter 11, Jesus learns that his friend Lazarus is seriously ill. Jesus' response to this concerning news is reminiscent of how he responded to the questions of the disciples in chapter 9. He tells them that Lazarus' death is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. By this statement, we know that whatever happens next happens so that God will be glorified through it. This statement gives us more understanding of these signs. They are meant to reveal the glory of God. Similarly, similarly, John 2 says that when Jesus turned the water into wine, he manifested his glory. The glory of God is on display through Jesus. It would almost seem that Jesus went out of his way to take the long way to get to Lazarus. And when he arrives, Lazarus is dead and has been buried in the tomb for how many days? Four days. So Lazarus's sister, understandably, she is pretty upset. And in response to her grief and anger, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. As Jesus approaches the other sister, Mary, he comes closer and closer to the community demonstration of grief that is taking place. Jesus is deeply moved and weeps with them. And this is such a beautiful scene. Jesus was very close to this family. And when they hurt, he hurts. We see here God's love for his creation. He loves us deeply. And when he sees our grief over the suffering of this world, he is not unaffected. He is deeply moved and can even weep. D.A. Carson writes, those who draw really close to Jesus think of themselves first and foremost as those loved by him rather than as those who profess their love for him. This reveals the very heart and feelings of Jesus. The phrase deeply moved is the Greek word embryomai. Embry my may. Okay, I got a smile. <laughs> and this pictures profound emotion, even involving anger. Jesus is grieved by the misery he sees in the world caused by sin. Commissioner Kellner spoke this past Wednesday in Bible study. And he said that maybe it was a joke or a question has been posed. 
that why did God choose the Hebrews, who are seen throughout Scripture as very emotional people? And the short answer is, because he is an emotional God. Where we have to learn and grow to harness our emotions and the severity of each emotion, God perfectly exhibits each and every one displaying his righteousness, love, purity, and holiness. After all, he did create emotion. And just as recently as this past Wednesday, we in this community suffered the loss of a good friend, as it was mentioned earlier. I have seen Lex described as a funny, loving, caring friend whose laugh was infectious. And I know even this description falls short of the man he was and is in Christ now. I do not know him as many of you know him, but I grieve with you. My heart hurts for this loss. And because sin entered into the world, we know grief. It makes me think of the song. I have to sing it, sorry. Just this one line. I am a man of constant sorrow. I've seen trouble all my day. And if you know, you know. I don't suggest that movie, but I love that song. We seem to be a people of constant sorrow, but this isn't who God intended us to be, not how he intended us to live. The final aspect of the sign we see here is God's total power over death. Jesus approaches the tomb and tells those present to move the stone, declaring that now is the moment they will see the glory of God. And boy, <laughs> did they. Then in a loud voice, he commands Lazarus to come out. And the man who had died for four days came out. Jesus truly is the resurrection. He has complete power over death. That even coming into contact, life comes. Robert Farrar Capon says, Jesus never meets a corpse that doesn't sit right up on the spot. Because death has no power. None. We can choose to say no, no. But even death has to answer to him. And they rise not because of some resurrection stone from Harry Potter, not because of some magic trick, but simply because he has this kind of effect on death. They rise because he is the resurrection, 
even before he himself rises. It's not that I'm going to be the resurrection, because we know that's going to happen. He is, was, is, and always will be the resurrection. God is at work in this world through Jesus for our salvation. And part of that salvation is that the dead in Christ shall rise. The last verse of that man of constant sorrow says this. Maybe your friends think I'm just a stranger. My face you never will see no more. But there is one promise that is given. I'll meet you on God's golden shore. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.